0: This recording is actually happening at 1.36 a.m. early Sunday morning, March 27th, 2022. I fell asleep in my chair that I sit in to watch TV. I named it the Minifield. You would just have to see that it. It's a very peculiar chair I found at a quirky shop in downtown Nashville. And uh, as soon as my wife saw it, she said, he's going to want that chair. I walked into the room. I saw it from a great distance and I said, that is a cool chair. And my wife was already standing there, standing there looking at it. So we actually bought it. And what's interesting is that we bought the chair for like $75. It was brand new, but the shop was going out of business. They were kind of an eclectic retro shop. My wife even tried to get the man down from that price, but he didn't budge, of course, but it's really an interesting chair. Anyway, I fell asleep in the the field. I wake up and I go through a nightly routine that helps me keep down having sinus infections and throat infections and respiratory infections. And so I got up to do that and headed to the restroom where I do my rinsing and my nasal cleansing and all this stuff. I stopped by my computer because I remembered I had tagged some videos, some classic cartoon videos for my grandchildren to watch, and I was trying to figure out on YouTube how to save those because since they are labeled kids' videos, you can't just outright save them. I did find a way, but I won't talk about that now. Anyway, but in the middle of that, so I'm in my YouTube premium channel where they offer up things, of course, according to your surfing habits, etc. And so I'm going back and forth between Finding George of the Jungle episodes, which was back in 67. Those are my days. Amazing cartoons. But the point is, is that then on the front screen for the home of YouTube Premium is a video that says Taylor Hawkins has died. Now, you probably don't even know who Taylor Hawkins is unless you're a fan of rock and roll, especially the Foo Fighters. And the Foo Fighters are an interesting band. Both of my sons who studied and have music business degrees from Dallas Baptist University in Dallas, Texas. It's a small Christian private college, very successful. I attended there when it was Dallas Baptist College, but it's a university, it's an amazing campus. But they have a music business program and they have a professional music program, all that kind of stuff. They built a huge, beautiful building For music, and in it they have state of the art recording studios that are world class. So, both my sons studied recording there at Dallas Baptist University. But the teacher of that class, who was actually the bass guitar player for one of the most famous Christian groups that's ever been, Dallas Home and Praise, but Randy played bass for Dallas Home, and he was my kid's recording instructor. But one of the classes that they took regarding music business, et cetera, they talked about the band, the Foo Fighters. And regardless of what you think about rock and roll, uh, regardless of what you think about Dave Grohl and the rest of them, uh, they study them because why? They're probably the, gr- the last greatest rock band that's ever lived. They actually play their instruments, they actually play on their own albums, and they're amazing musicians, and their recording quality is beyond compare. And most of the Foo Fighters songs actually are decent. They're not normally the glorification of drug, sex, rock, and roll. As a matter of fact, a lot of them have to do with overcoming adversity, that kind of thing. And so they have several songs that are just number one. Uh, But they're an amazing band. And Taylor Hawkins was the drummer for the Foo Fighters. For those of you who don't know, Dave Grohl, who is the founder of the Foo Fighters, was the drummer for Nirvana. Nirvana when Kurt Cobain took his life and it was devastating to Dave Grohl at that time. They were young and very successful. And at the height of success, Kurt Cobain who had a chronic drug addiction problem, et cetera, took his life. And so Grohl went through that experience and it was devastating for some time for him. Of course, a memory you never forget. Uh, So Taylor Hawkins now is dead at the age of 50 And it's a tragedy on, of course, multiple levels. As a human, number one, he was a father of three, had a wife, three children, and uh, just 50 years old, still a young man. And uh, anyway, heavily, heavily talented, very, very gifted. Probably before his death, one of the greatest living drummers of rock and roll. Taylor Hawkins was an amazing musician. Both of my sons actually are trained drum professionals. They both have played professionally. My oldest son is a producer here in Nashville and also drums professionally. And according to those two guys who know drumming, they say that Taylor Hawkins was amazing. There's only a few other drummers on the planet who drummed as well as Taylor Hawkins did. In his past, I remember that Taylor Hawkins almost died from a severe drug overdose. I think it was heroin. And uh, Dave Grohl stayed with him. The concert tour had to be canceled. This has been some years ago. And, uh, he was basically dead and they resuscitated him and took him quite some time of rehabilitation, rehabilitation, but he came back and he actually looked pretty decent. Of course, friends, you've got to say, what's the point of this? And I say that in the show notes. And first of all, just, I'm deeply saddened. It makes me sick of my gut. It's uh, sickening to see somebody of such talent taken down at an, uh, at a young age. And Hawkins uh, battled drug addiction, obviously, um, in his past. But uh, it's all over the news. So I, I immediately went to the, to the, of course, all the news outlets. They're all reporting it. And uh, I think it's true. Uh, but let me tell you, there's a twist to this that really throws a wrench in things for me. And I hope this is not the case. I don't think it is the case because all of the news agencies are carrying the story. Uh, let me say if this is a hoax. It's a terrible hoax, and it's going to backfire. I don't think it is, but there's a little twist. But Reuters and all the rest of the news a- news agencies are reporting that Foo Fighter drummer Taylor Hawkins dies aged 50. And this is from Reuters. It was published on March 26th, which was yesterday, at 6 p.m. Central Daylight Time. But it goes on to say the death of Taylor Hawkins, the drummer of American rock band Foo Fighters, is being investigated by Colombian authorities after he passed away at a hotel in Bogota, Colombia, sending shockwaves through the global music industry. The band announced on late on Friday that Hawkins 50 had died, but not give a cause of death. In a report late on Saturday, which is just a few years, few hours ago, Colombia's attorney general said an, that an initial analysis, including toxicology tests had found 10 types of substances, including THC found in marijuana, tricyclic antidepressants, benzodiazepines, and opioids. It did not give a cause of death or say what volume of substances had been found in the analysis. It said it would continue with its investigation. Reuters goes on to report that the National Institute of Legal Medicine continues the medical studies to get full clarification of the events that led to the death of Taylor Hawkins, but it says that an ambulance was sent to the hotel after an emergency call reported a man experiencing chest pains. Bogota's health department said in a statement, Hawkins did not respond to CPR and was declared dead. The group had been set to perform at Esoterio Picnic Fist- Festival near Columbia Capitol the same night. Festival organizers said the group was canceling the rest of its South American tour. Of course, the man's devastated. Um... So anyway, it, it makes my gut sick, and like I said, on several different levels, but uh, let's just talk about what they said was found in, in Taylor's body um, to just give us an idea. Uh, of course, THC is the main uh, substance of marijuana. It's both a stimulant and a depressant, and it lingers in the body. It says uh, on one of the websites, medical websites, longer than alcohol, smoking marijuana can injured mucosal tissue and may have more carcinogenic potential than tobacco. Benzodiazepines are drugs which slow down messages traveling between the brain and the body, which is never a good thing. Other depressants include alcohol, cannabis, and heroin. Now, this is talking about the drug benzodiazepine and then comparing it with the other drugs. It's a depressant including alcohol, cannabis, and heroin. Benzodiazepines are also minor tranquilizers, usually prescribed by doctors to relieve stress and anxiety and to help people sleep. But if you notice, marijuana is both a stimulant and a depressant. Benzodiazepines is a depressant. Also found in his system was codeine, or I'm sorry, an opioid. We don't know what type of opioid, but Opioids include prescription drugs such as codeine, morphine, oxycodone, oxycontin. And if you remember, Rush Limbaugh, who passed away not too long ago, uh, was a prolific oxycodone, oxycontin user and was given a pass. But basically, it's a form of opioid, very addictive. And uh, he was just eating the pills. (laughs) I think it was like a massive amount per day, given a pass, political conservative, but yet a, a dope addict in, in clear terms, uh, but Percocet, hydrocodone, uh, which is also Vicodin, Lortab, Lorset, and, uh Mepa, I can't even pronounce it, Mepuridine or like Demerol. I know I've heard of that as well as illegal drugs like heroin. So in fact, the opioid in the system probably has not yet been defined, but having been a previous heroin user and di- almost died of a heroin overdose, It's possible that the opioid was heroin. It doesn't really matter what kind. The fact and the tragedy is that that he had a cocktail of drugs found in his system. They didn't say at what level, but folks, if you are found to have a cocktail of drugs in your system, uh, that's not a good thing. And the sad thing is that if you look at some of the possibilities of these drugs that are given to help you sleep, given because you're having anxiety and the stimulation uh, I mean, being the drummer of one of the largest groups in the world, uh, comes with it a massive amount of stress travel on the road, whether you're on a jet or a bus, is still a strenuous activity. You're away from your family. So, uh, given that perhaps some of these drugs were legal, the bottom line is altogether it's a downer. It takes a person down. So how terrible. And then of course, it sounds like dying of something related to the, uh, distress of the heart. But there's a twist to this, and I hope this isn't true. I don't think it's true, but if it is true, it's a terrible thing. Uh, I take it that all the news agencies have done their due diligence in in verifying this message. But Grohl just released a new uh, video titled Studio 666. And I was excited to see that Dave Grohl was coming out, something new in the realm of video production, Because in the past, he's done some amazing work in documentary type uh, movie making. And so he shows a proclivity towards not only being a very successful songwriter, very successful singer, very successful band uh, member of two of the greatest groups that have been in the history of, of rock music, but then also in cinematography. And so I was excited that perhaps this would be something that would be enjoyable. But... When I saw the trailer to the, the the movie, I mean, it was shocking because it, the premise, let me just read the premise is that uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Foo Fighters, move into an Encino mansion, which Dave Grohl, I think, lives in Encino, moves into an Encino mansion steeped in grisly rock history to record their much-anticipated 10th album. And I think, I haven't seen the video, but I think that the video was an intentional Promotional release in support of their actual album, but in the movie, Once in the House, Dave Grohl finds himself grappling with supernatural forces that threaten both the completion of the album and the lives of the band. And when I watched the trailer, you know, coming from my background and dealing with people, and and I'm a, I'm a Christian pastor, ordained minister of the gospel, but as a part of that, you you delve a lot into counseling. And, and the psychological issues people are dealing with. And when I saw the trailer, I thought, well, number one, it appears to be a horror movie. And why would you release a horror movie in March when save it for October, which would be Halloween, which would seem to be a better fit uh, for the re- release of something like this. But then also, Grohl in the past does not seem to have any... Um, mind against Christianity or religion. He really doesn't address any of that. And so to come out with a movie to where you're purposely choosing the title Studio 666, The Mark of the Beast, and then when you see the, the just the trailer where it shows Grohl basically becoming possessed by the devil, but in the the, the, the trailer it shows him basically murdering the band members and one of them is taylor swift and if i'm not, if i'm not mistaken and i only saw the trailer uh, once or twice i <laughs> told my kids about it said hey i don't know what's going on with dave grohl why he would do this but the bottom line is in in the trailer it shows that he if i remember correctly that he kills taylor hawkins at the um barbecue grill and because dave grohl's known to be a big uh smoker of, of meats you know cooking He's discovered that and and is enthralled with it, loves it. And so there's some tongue-in-cheek things supposedly in the movie, but in the back, way back, and I'm not saying that Dave Grohl killed, please don't misunderstand misunderstand me in that. I'm not saying that at all, but what I'm saying is in the movie, it portrays him becoming possessed of the devil in this haunted recording studio home, and he begins to off his bandmates. And uh, I didn't think it was funny, even if it's tongue-in-cheek, because, you know, the old uh, truism, you know, many a truth is, is hidden in jest. In other words, sometimes when you're poking fun at somebody, the underlying tone of that message is really the truth. And so thinking back to a time when Taylor Hawkins uh, basically made it kind of clear, he made some statements in public about Dave really being kind of an overlord and, you know, he was fed up with it and was quitting the band, something, something to that effect that there was a major rift. And looking back, it was probably during a time when he was having drug trouble and his mouth was speaking and his brain wasn't in control, but he openly said it, which is like, you know, uh, (laughs) the end of you in the, in the band, but they recuperated from that by Grohl coming out with actually a video to where it portrayed him as like this uh this uh wealthy uh what do you call him like I don't know just a I don't even know how to put it. But they ended up having a portrait of Dave made and uh it was hanging. Well in the video Dave was sitting there and talking about, you know, he wanted some I think it had to do with either M and Ms or something and the wrong color, In other words, you know, showing himself to be like this rock, uh, demagogue type mind. But then as the camera pulls back, then there he is sitting at this big dinner table and above him over the mantle is this giant portrait of himself. And they recovered from that, that depressed debacle by poking fun. Like it was just Hawkins being a goof. But at that time, when I saw this go down, I thought, I don't think it's a goof. I think it was a mistake that he spoke out was speaking for the way he felt and perhaps some of the other band members felt, but the, the band is owned, a wholly owned subsidiary of Grohl. He founded the band, uh, the first cassette that he made of all the new, new music post, um, Nirvana, it was him playing all the instruments. And to date, when he does an album, he records all the instruments. He He records everything, takes it into the band and they learn how to play it. So basically they back him up in it. But, uh, so this discord that was there, I think for real, uh, the point being is, is that if the movie studio 666 is in essence, his stab at being, um, the, uh, Sergeant Pepper band where Paul is shown on the back side of the album cover as facing away from the camera and this hand, which back when I was a kid, they said that that hand was an occult sign Someone was dead, and of course the entire Beatlemania mania uh, garbage of Paul is dead uh, became a big ploy. I don't know that the Beatles created it, but John Lennon, being the master marketer, didn't quell it either because it it promoted sales. And so let's hope that's not what this is. I don't think that it is. I think it's a tragic death, a tragic loss. But friends, I've asked. I want to ask you a question. I just did uh, the podcast on. Uh, all along the watchtower. And the thing that stuck in my mind, the hour is getting late. And in that, and I didn't go into detail, if you've listened to that podcast, I I hope you took the time to look at some of the articles. And and let me say uh, something I did not say in the podcast. It was not to, to point the finger. I understand that when you point one finger, you have three fingers pointing right back. And I hope if you listen to my heart in that podcast, it was not to point the fingers at any minister or any musician or any Christian who is going through a terrible time. And just because people are successful and just because people plant successful churches that grow worldwide does not mean that they're a mess. They can be a royal mess. We're humans. People are messes. And that was not the point of the podcast. The point of the podcast was to say, it's time for things to change. And the church must model our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We must show him to the world. And if our pastors, and, and something that they said in the article on Brian Houston, and one of the reasons why the church released the public information on why he was being asked to step down, is because an episode he had where he was supposedly on, sleep medicine, but also drinking alcohol with it, and that he went to another hotel room and went into the hotel room to be with a woman. Now, they didn't say what he was doing in the hotel with the woman, but if you're a married man and you go to another woman's hotel room by yourself, uh, that's not a good thing. But the tragedy within that revelation is that they sought to help him, but the glaring truth is, is that here the pastor of one of the largest Christian churches on the planet is taking sleep medicine and drinking alcohol. Now, any of us who have been alive since the '60s, we all went through the drug treatment training, and the the, the negative side effects of drugs and alcohol. And there's not a person alive. I would just have to say, if you're an educated man, and he was an educated man that you know, number one, that if you're taking anything regarding sleep aid, that to couple alcohol with it is asking for trouble. Now, that's just a fact. I will challenge anyone on that. That an educated person who would take some sort of a sleep medication that puts your brain to sleep and then also to drink alcohol, which is a depressant, is asking for trouble. And what's tragic at that point, the church said, well, he was doing, you know, he was taking sleep medicine because he couldn't sleep and he was drinking alcohol. And so not to give him a pass, but they explained it away and put him under counseling, whatever. The bottom line folks is what on the, what in the, what in the world is a pastor doing taking sleep medication and drinking alcohol? And I'm telling you, one of the big debates that's now at the, the foot of the church is the whole question of alcohol. And I'm going to be doing a lot more on this. It's going to be a special sub-series because I'm telling you, it is reaching deep into the church. Deep into the church. And this is one of the areas where the church has awakened, that it's woke in. And it's being given to pass because, you know, Jesus drank alcohol. Jesus turned the water into wine. I'm not going to get into all that because there's a lot behind it. As a side note, I will tell you this, though, that the Old Testament says that wine is a mocker. How much more do we need to know? It's irrelevant whether the water that turned into wine by Jesus was what content of alcohol it had. It's irrelevant that from the Old Testament, we know that wine is a mocker. It turns you into a fool. It makes fun of you. And so the side note is that here we have people that are overtaken in a fault. And if, in fact, this is true of what has happened, that I can guarantee you if this this individual was here today, he would not say, well, I was glad I was a drug addict. I was glad I had drug problems. I was glad that I invited these controlling substances into my body. I'm telling you, I've been in the ministry since I was 17 years old, and I'm 62 years old, and I have never met one person who that I have counseled with, and I have counseled with a lot, who sat down and told me, I'm glad I'm this way, that time and time again, what have I heard? They invited the substance in, the substance has power and exercises control, and the end result is one of sadness and grief. And as I told someone recently, that the image is being given that you can drink responsibly, you can take drugs responsibly. The image is being given By the government turning a blind eye to the legalization of marijuana state by state by state. At the last election, I think it was up to 15, not counting the District of Columbia. And at the next election, I would assume that there's going to be an acceleration of the number of states that are approving it. Because on the surface, it appears, and I've talked about this in the past, a cash cow for the governments. But the bottom line is, folks, it is death. It is tragedy. It is depression. It is loss. It is heartache. And I'm telling you that I am tired of seeing people's lives ruined by drugs and alcohol. And you can say, Kenny, well, you feel that way because your father was a flaming alcoholic. And yes, I grew up in a heavily alcoholic home. My father, excuse me, was a heavy alcoholic. Thank the Lord he didn't drink distillates if he drank. And I talked about this, I think, a little bit in the past. He didn't drink uh, any type of distillates you know whiskey whiskey you know if if um uh who am i thinking of hiram walker and all those groups uh jack daniels i mean if they say it's 80 proof that means it's 40% alcohol by content whereas beer and wines are maybe in the 6 to 10% range um but had he been a distillate drinker he would have been dead before 78 but uh, i grew up in it and as i said in the past i grew up under the light of a neon moon I tell you what, what Ronnie Brooks wrote about. That's the truth. The neon moon. And as a kid, there were many times that I was taken into the bars with my father. Uh, most of the time, when he passed by a bar or a package store, as he would call a liquor store, uh, he had to stop. And uh, it was heartache. And it produced nothing but heartache for my family. And you can say, well, Kenny, you know, you just got a tainted view about things because of your past. Well, let me tell you something. My past informs me, but it doesn't just inform me because I have. 40 plus years of counseling people who have wrestled with cigarettes, tobacco, alcohol, and drugs. And I'm telling you, I've never had one person come into me and say, Kenny, I sure am glad I started smoking. I sure am glad I started drinking. I sure am glad I started taking drugs. Not one. And so, dear friend, I'm not prejudiced just because I'm a Christian, just because I'm an ordained minister, just because I've been a pastor in my past. I am not prejudiced. I am informed. And so I just want to say what does Taylor Hawkins have to do with anything? It really says a lot. And I tell you what, folks, a side note I'm sure Taylor Hawkins made good money. I don't know that he was necessarily wealthy. He did not own the brand, as far as I can tell from everything that's ever been written. He did not own the brand. He was not an owner in Foo Fighters. I believe, and, and Dave Grohl has said here, it hasn't been probably within the past one or two years ago, that he talked about uh, his name is on the check, literally. And that so every, everything that goes through the Foo Fighters, he is watching like a hawk. And, and Dave Grohl is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. But I wouldn't necessarily say that any of his band members, of course, they may be more wealthy than you and I, but that doesn't mean they're rich. Rich is a, you know, you can look at that any way you want. But the bottom line is he made good money, obviously, and the bottom line is the success and the fame and the access and the money and the attention did not garner him success internally. Most of the things that people in society look to to say, well, if I could just achieve that, I would be happy. If I could just get to this level, I would be successful if I just got to this level, I could stop, I could retire and just enjoy life, you know, travel, see the world, enjoy fine food, uh, great Broadway shows, whatever. But yet what we see time and time again is that when the person gets to the height of success and they get to the height of fame and fortune, access and friends, one of the biggest thing things that success brings to a person is access. And all of us like access. We like living lives of non-restriction. And so it can be a good thing, but at the same time, without Jesus Christ as the head of your, your life, as the Lord of your life, as the champion of your life, you and I do not possess the capability within ourselves to maintain You and I in ourselves do not have the strength to resist and to avoid all of the pitfalls that also come with success, fortune, fame, access. We just don't. And think about, I just came into my mind, Pinocchio and the story of Pinocchio when he wanted to be on his own and be set free from Geppetto. And what ends up to him, he ends up in major trouble uh, because you just aren't designed to be that way, you know? So anyway, I, I hope this makes some sense to you tonight. But at the end of the day, this podcast is about advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. My friend, first of all, we need to pray for Taylor Hawkins' family. That's devastating. And little kids that are going to grow up without him being in the picture, and the second of all, we need to pray for this band of great influence. And I tell you, you can say, well, Kenny, that's silly. Why, why pray for people like that? Because my friend, Satan, is after everyone, especially after people of key influence. And I remember uh, a, a man by the name of Mylon Fever, And Mylon Lefebvre, when he was a kid, he was a part of this family. His family were gospel singers called the Singing Fevers. And Mylon, at the age of 14, wrote one of the big Christian hymns of all time called Without Him. But yet he grew up to be a wayward person, away from God, living on his own. He was lead singer for some major rock groups. He was known by all the biggest names in the industry, and he became severely drug addicted, and he was a mess. But Mylon shares the story that when he he was invited actually to a sermon, to hear a sermon, and he was in town. I don't remember if he was at home or where he was, but he said you know, he he felt compelled to go. When he went, God got a hold of him and called him to repentance. And so Mylan made the commitment that I'm going off of heroin. He was a heroin addict, and so he locked himself in the in the room. He said he knew that he was in for a terrible ride because coming off of heroin is terrible. And then Mylan testifies that he never went through the re- withdrawal symptoms. That he was set free from heroin addiction. And can it happen like that? Yes, it can. Uh, Johnny Lang, another professional musician who plays as an amazing blues guitarist, Johnny Lang, as a 17 year old, was one of the greatest guitar players alive at 17 and totally strung out. If you look at the early albums of Johnny Lang, I mean, he just looked like a mess. But Johnny Lang got, got radically saved, and the same thing happened to him if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, he was at his father-in-law's house and he said that he was in the hallway when all of a sudden God came down on him. And I mean, I think it dropped him to the floor. If I'm remembering correctly, you can check that out. But Lane got radically saved and he had been a mess in drugs. Um, But we can come out of these addictions. But my friend, I'm tired of people being overtaken in these faults. And like I said, that sometimes people actually do stumble into things and it may be through I can remember my own grandmother that, and as a kid, I didn't really understand what they were saying, but my grandmother would begin to exhibit uh, some anxiety or kind of going on. As we say in Texas, she'd just be going on. And my aunt would say, mother, have you had your nerve medicine? No. Well, go take your nerve medicine. And so I'm like nerve medicine. Well, she took nerve medicine. And, uh, I think it was, uh, I can't even remember the name of the drug, but, um, I think the, the movie, the Valley of the Dolls was about that particular drug. Um, boy, I can't remember the name, but off the top of my head, but anyway, but come to find out highly addictive. And so the doctor to the, my old senior adult grandmother prescribed her the, uh, nerve medicine, but come to find out, and you can look it up. I can't remember the name of it. Highly addictive. And so my grandmother was addicted to nerve medicine, to drugs prescribed to her by the doctor. And so we can fall into this. And of course, once it overtakes us, it's a terrible thing. So anyway, I want to give you some encouragement. Check out the show notes. I'm going to include some hyperlinks and, uh, the hyperlinks. Let me get to the show notes. I'm already going to put in here, um, but in the hyperlinks for the show notes is going to be the Reuters article that I just referred to, but also in the show notes, I want you to check this out. There is a a link to youtube.com. Uh, anyway, it's Institute of human anatomy, Institute of human anatomy. And it's a really interesting channel. You have to have a strong stomach to watch it, which I, I like medicine and all that. So it doesn't bother me. I watch them operate on my wrist and, uh, I said, "Well, not bother you? I said, no, it doesn't bother me. So they told me not to breathe. And they dropped the, the cloth that was dividing me. And uh, I could see my hand open there on the operating table. And I thought it was fascinating. So I'm that type of person. You're maybe not. But here's the point. Institute of Human Anatomy. These guys teach anatomy. And uh, they're not doctors, which is interesting. But they actually have a business to where they teach people that are studying to be doctors or whatever about anatomy or for college, what have you. Anyway, on one of their videos, and I'm going to have the link to it, it's called What Alcohol Does to Your Body. And like I said, uh, this is a, an alcohol is a drug. And, and the reason why I'm especially sensitive to this is that in my ministry past, people that have been Bible study teachers for me and Sunday school teachers and Sunday school directors, et cetera, that I see them on Facebook. And I see now over and over and over, that uh, they'll post where they are for their wedding anniversary, for their birthday celebration, and it's at the wine tasting room. Or they post a, a family portraits and pictures, and they're at the restaurant, and they're all having a glass of wine. And it's just incessant now, over and over and over. People that I've known since I was very young, now we find out that they drink. Do they always drink? I don't know. But friend, I want you to watch that video, please. And like I said, it does show they work with cadavers. So if you're squeamish, um, I'm just giving you a heads up. But you need to listen to what they say, what alcohol does to your body. And the interesting thing is the guy that does the talk, he makes it clear right up front that he personally is a man who likes his bourbon. This is what he says. He likes his alcohol. He said, but that being said, he said that alcohol at any level is poison. He said, just write that down. I'm not sure that he said, just say, write this down. But I'm saying that clearly he says that this is a fact. Alcohol in any level in your body is a poison. Now, friend, that's not coming from a Christian minister. That's not coming from a kid who grew up in an alcoholic home. That is coming from scientists who teach this to people regarding anatomy and physiology. And the talk is on what alcohol does to your body. And he states clearly right up front, this is the main point. Alcohol is a poison in your system to your tissues at any level. And so when you sit there and talk about how Jesus has set us free to drink within responsibility. And like I said, I'm going to say a lot more about this because it needs to be a package deal to where I cover all the bases. And that's not what I'm out to do tonight. But when you say, Kenny, what's I got to do with Taylor Hawkins? Because it's another drug and it's a drug that's destroying hundreds of thousands of lives. And I tell you, I think back to Jackie Brown and I may have told the story on the podcast before he was the, the South Sebastian County corner for South Sebastian County, Arkansas. Where I lived in Greenwood, Arkansas, it was in the South Sebastian County because there always, was only one county seat and then Fort Smith grew to the size of taking over control and they wanted the, the county seat located in Fort Smith and so they split the county and there was a South County seat and a North County seat, but Jackie was the county coroner and also the mortician from McConnell Funeral Home in Greenwood, Arkansas. And I got to know Jackie because of the funerals and stuff that I would do there in Greenwood um, and working uh, just as one of the pastors, associate pastors there in the city. Uh, But uh, Jackie uh, and I were talking one day and he had gone to serve a wreck down in uh, South on 71, Highway 71 from Greenwood. And uh, he said, Kenny, he said there was a drunk driver and he hit a car. It was full of a family. And he said that they, he obliterated the family. And he said that uh, when I got there, I uh, was called to the scene. They were trying to get the bodies out of the car. They had been uh, crushed to the point where they couldn't get them out of the physical car. So they were having to cut the bodies out. The man that, that killed the family uh, was totally intact as a lot of times this happens tragically. And he was walking around on the side of the road and he was out of his head. And uh, Jackie shouted at him and said, sir, you know, you've taken the lives of this entire family. And uh, of course they, they handcuffed him and put him in the squad car. But the guy oblivious and the entire family stopped life in a moment at the hands of a drunk driver. And so friends that when are we going to wake up? We're seeing it in the church body to where the church is excusing global pastors from ingesting something that's poison from the get go, excusing people for, drinking responsibly, it's, it's, what, what's next? And what I'm saying is, how's it working for us? It's not working. And my friend, that if someone who is of the status of a Taylor Hawkins, very successful in life, all of the things that, that people would say, if I could just get there, I would be happy. And yet in the end, this tragedy occurs. And so friends, I just want to reach out to you. And I want you to think about number one, do you ingest alcohol? Do you ingest drugs? Do you ingest tobacco? And you go, boy, you sound like one of those old-time gospel preachers. No, friend, I am a human being on the planet that is sick and tired of people's lives being destroyed, people's lives being taken from them, people's lives being removed from their families because of disconnection due to these things that disassociate your brain from reality. And so friend, I just want to send this to you and ask you to think about it again, pray for Taylor Hawkins, family, pray for those band members who are going to be greatly impacted by this loss. He was a key player in that band. Hopefully if others in that band have alcohol and drug addiction problems, that they'll give thought to getting real help. But here's the thing, friend, and this is a serious matter that Once the clutches are let in, it is an extremely hard battle to ever overcome. And one of the things I'm going to be looking at in the future, I'm seeking to make contact with somebody with Alcoholics Anonymous and to talk to them about what they're seeing. Because you can have a view that Alcoholics Anonymous is is for people who just can't get their life together. But my friends, there are people from all walks of life Life are part of AA and something that I used to have a problem with in AA is that they ask or require, I don't know how you would put it, but that when you go to a meeting, you introduce yourself as I am so-and-so and I am an alcoholic. And even if they've been sober for 20 straight years, they still announce themselves as that addict. And for the longest time I thought, how can you ever get out from underneath the addiction if you're always stating that I am an addict. How can you do it? And so I used to have a strong problem with AA because of that. But my friend, as I go along in life, and as I watch people who are addicted, and I look at the ramifications of allowing these substances in, that the strongest person on the planet can be free of the chemical for 20 years, and their brains snap, and they're right back in it. And so something I'm seeing, and that's not to say that God can't set you free like a mile in the fever, in the moment and you never pick it up again? Absolutely he can. Is that the norm? Absolutely not. And I'm telling you from the people that I have counseled with. And the bottom line is, when we allow in these substances, they have power. They have real power. It's not just bestowed power that you give to them when you invite them in, that these chemicals have addictive power in and of themselves. They are entities and ultimately, we understand that the this entity is dark-seated at best, satanic at worst, especially with drugs. But how can we draw much of a distinction between drugs and alcohol? They're all poison to the system. And so, my friend, I'm going to be looking into this, but the bottom line is that if you're battling with substance abuse of any kind, whether it be from nicotine, whether it be from Opioids, or if it's from alcohol, that dear friend, open up your mouth. Let someone know. Don't continue to live in shame and don't continue to live in addiction. Seek help. First of all, look to Jesus. If you don't know him as your savior, ask him to save your soul and give you new life in Christ, and then ask you to have success to overcome this addiction and through the power of the Holy Spirit. He will give us the capability to overcome. It's a daily struggle. It's a daily fight. When you've invited in chemicals that have power in and of themselves, it is something that you realize that you've opened up a Pandora's box and you have to deal with it daily. Also, my friend, if you've dealt with things in the past, but you find yourself relapsing, I had ministry to an individual I mentored who had had extreme difficulty with alcohol had gotten clean, but yet continuously falling back into it. Every time he would fall back into it, just a sense of like, I'm hopeless. But my friend, you cannot go about that life that way. If you fall into it, you need to cry out to Jesus to give you strength to come out of it. And focus on today. Don't focus on next week. Don't focus on tomorrow. Don't even focus on tonight. Focus on right now in this moment and give your mind to Christ and allow him to fill you through the power of his Holy Spirit, and he will give you success to overcome. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.